Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson. My bulldog, Rodney, is beside me as usual. And today we're going back to the world of professional wrestling with my buddy Scott Tudor because it has been an amazing summer of wrestling. And I actually haven't done a podcast in a month because I've been going to a lot of these wrestling matches in my spare time. So I'm bringing Scott back to talk about AEW and the tremendous growth that has gone on there. And we're also going to talk about um, their most recent pay-per-view, All Out. And we're also going to talk about a little bit of WWE because I've been going to some of their matches as well here in Florida. So, Scott, welcome back to the show. Ben, thanks again for uh, bringing me back. It's been a while, man. I'm, I'm ready to do a, do a show again. And Scott is definitely prepared for this wrestling show because in the background, he has a life-size poster of Hulk Hogan in the <laughs> background. I was wondering if you noticed my cutout. <laughs> it's next to Marilyn Monroe, but uh, yeah, that's my right. wife's. That's my wife's part of the room. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, it's been a it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan right now, to say the least. We have seen a lot of action going on this summer, and we're going to start with AEW, where CM Punk has made a return to the wrestling world after seven years. He has joined All Elite Wrestling. He appeared. Um, in Chicago and at a sold out crowd at the United Center. So we're talking like 15,000 people there on, um, on the new show for AEW Rampage. So we have him, we have Brian Danielson, formerly known as Daniel Bryan. We have uh, Adam Cole, we have Ruby Soho, we have Andrade coming in. A lot of new faces in AEW, Scott. Yep. That's right. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see the return of Punk. Uh, like I, you and I had talked earlier, I'm not going to fall in love and just you know fall all over Punk. I'm not a diehard CM Punk fan, but I do respect his body of work prior to WWE, and I did I did like him okay in WWE, but all all the time he was there, I always said he was more of a Ring of Honor type guy. And uh, you and I have had this discussion before. And I think AEW allows them to bring their styles, their previous styles to the table, whereas WWE tries to keep them in a certain uh, boundary, you know, as far as their, uh, even their promos are scripted normally and, uh, you know, their wrestling styles, because, you know, all through WWE's history, whenever you'd see somebody like the Steiners or somebody go over there that's always been one of their big complaints that wwe tries to keep them in a certain wrestling style and don't allow certain certain styles so i'm glad to see that i'm glad to see brian danielson as well uh you know what it looks like is aew is really picking up the old ring of honor tna uh type talent that uh, wwe had uh sniped earlier to raise their level and now uh, aew is doing it and they're allowing them to be themselves well, the thing I like about where AEW is right now, number one, they brought in some stars to help them raise their platform because they've added uh, Rampage on Friday nights on TNT. But they're also bringing in wrestlers. They're yes. not bringing in gimmicks. And right. that's the thing why I think AEW is so appealing to you and me, as well as a lot of these other fans that are just going nuts over them, is it's wrestling. It's not sports entertainment. And we'll get into a little more with uh, Brian Danielson. But um, he did an interview after the pay-per-view all out. And he was like, I am a professional wrestler. I brought wrestling to wherever I've been. 
And I've said professional wrestling when I was supposed to say sports entertainment, but I'm a professional wrestler. Yes, and he did. So that's why I'm super excited about this. So we had Punk arrive. I mean, that crowd went nuts. It was like one of the most iconic pops ever in the history of professional wrestling. Um, he was so over and he was matched up with Darby Allen. And so you had him, you had his face up uh, off with Sting a few times, of course, not wrestling, but just kind of face to face. So that was the big story going into all, uh, all out was the uh, uh, debut of uh, CM Punk as a wrestler in AEW. So let's just kind of go over this card real quick. Um, most of our listeners have probably seen all out. So we're just going to go through the card and give the, the recap um, quickly. And then we're going to go into the matches in more detail. And then we're also going to talk about how AEW has transitioned from All Out to through this week, where they're going with uh, their cards and direction. And we're going to talk a little bit about what WWE has done to counteract CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and the, the, the hot streak that All Elite Wrestling is in right now. So the card for All Out consisted of there was a buy-in match with Orange Cassidy, Wheeler Utah. Chuck Taylor, the Kentucky gentleman from Murray, Kentucky, where, of course, Scott and I went to college. And the Jurassic Express of Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus almost called him the nickname that Jim Cornette uses for him, but didn't want to do that, versus Matt, uh, Matt Hardy's clan of Matt Hardy, Private Party, and Jack Evans and Angelico. It's called the Hardy Family Business. So um, Orange Cassidy's team went over there with Orange Cassidy getting the pin. I think Orange Cassidy got the pin. But uh, anyway, that team went over. Then you went in with uh, a match I really like. We'll get into a little bit more. Miro versus Eddie Kingston for the TNT Championship with Miro going over there. Next, you had uh, Chris Statlander versus Dr. Britt Baker for the AEW Women's World Championship with Dr. Britt Baker going over there. In that match, um, you had the steel cage match for the AEW Tag Team Championship of the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks. The Lucha Brothers going over in what we agree was the match of the night. A very exciting match. I mean, definitely a lot to talk about in that one. So the Young Bucks reign as the Tag Team Champions comes to an end at All Out. Next, you had a Women's Battle Royal, which saw the debut of Ruby Soho, formerly known as Ruby Riot of the Riot Squad in WWE, coming out the winner in that match and setting up a feud with Dr. Britt Baker for the women's title. You had uh, skipped over John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima from uh, New Japan Wrestling with Moxley going over there. You had uh, CM Punk. I'm sorry, you had Jericho versus MJF, where if Jericho lost, he was going to have to go to the broadcast booth exclusively and could not wrestle in AEW again. Jericho wins in a bit of controversy over MJF. Um, then you had uh, mentioned that tag team match. You had uh, Paul White in a match that I really didn't care about versus QT Marshall with Paul White going over as expected. <laughs> and last let me see. Oh, CM Punk versus Darby Allen. Uh, CM Punk goes over as expected in a really, really good match. The CM Punk goes over. Um, and then you have the championship match of Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for the AEW World Championship match. 
in a really, really good match. Kenny Omega goes over Christian Cage, and we'll get into the afterbirth of what happened after that match, with the afterbirth being extremely important part of this pay-per-view. So let's get into these matches a little bit more. We'll start with that 10-team, a 10-man tag team match of Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Wheeler Yuta, and the Jurassic Express versus Matt Hardy, Private Party, and Jack Evans and Angelico. So we mentioned that Orange Cassidy went, uh, went over in this match. He got uh, he got the pin over Angelico. No way. Let me make sure he got that pin. Um, yeah, he ended up getting the pin over Angelico. So what was your take of this match, Scott? So this match was good. I mean, it had its place. Uh, I'm usually not a big proponent of, of big, uh, big matches, you know, and what I mean by big is all the people that were involved and all that. And I'm glad that, uh, that Matt Hardy has, uh, you know, it seems like he's good with, you know, what his role is in the company now. It's not like he's trying to uh, still get the belts and, and all that and trying to stay prominent and, and all that. He's helping to push the newer talent. And, and that's what you like to see the older guys. And it's hard for me to say that Matt Hardy's one of the older guys now, but because, uh, you know, they were kind of the Hardys were pretty much the young bucks of the late nineties and early two thousands for you and I. So, uh, uh, I, orange Cassidy, they're keeping him relevant. So I think they, they managed to do that. And plus they showcased some of the talents of the other, uh, folks in the match. So I, I think it was a success. Yeah. I need to correct myself. Jungle boy actually got the pin over Angelico. He, uh, actually tapped him out with the crap. I, I do like Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy. Uh, they've got to keep those two young guys relevant. Um, right. I mean, they're they're two of their better faces. I will say, um, this Wheeler Yuta, he's okay in the ring. I really don't – he doesn't really do much for me. Chuck Taylor, I think, has uh, gone down. And yes. I hate to say that with him being from Murray, but I guess with Trent uh, from Best Friends being out, you know, they really haven't featured them. So uh, – but Chuck Taylor has definitely gone down in the card. Standing, uh, standing, and Jurassic Express. I think, I think Jungle Boy is great uh, in the ring. I think his mic skills are are challenging. He's gonna have to get better at that. Uh, yes. I mean, he's got to. Uh, I think that's why they were having him paired with uh, Christian Cage because Christian could talk for him. Right. And I think Luchasaurus. He's he's a good serviceable big man, but I I thought he he could be more dominant, but. Uh, but he's still he's solid. But the stars of this trio are Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy. And so I think they definitely made the right pick in having him go over. I will say with Matt Hardy and Private Party, I would like to see them kind of be more relevant because Private Party, they're a good tag team. And they've taken some losses that I, I think they need to find some wins somewhere because they're not, they should not be jobbers at all. And um, – Angelico and uh, Jack Evans, third jobbers. So, you know, right. Angelico taking the pin here was the right call. But but I, I just think they need to do better with Matt Hardy and Private Party because they, they should be better. Yeah, I don't think they need to be in the main event or anything like that all the time. No. But they, they do need to keep them relevant so they can, they can play the role that they're designed to play. Yeah, and I'm not saying they should get wins over FTR who – that's a team that they're, they've just been buried lately. Hopefully right. they can get back on the right track. But they need to find some wins somewhere for private party, in my opinion. But 
overall, I agree with you. I thought it was a pretty good match, especially for an opening match. Um, so that's how we opened the pay-per-view. The next match to officially kick off the pay-per-view was Eddie Kingston versus Miro in the TNT Championship match. I really liked this match. Uh, I like both guys, Miro and Eddie Kingston. It was a solid, hard-hitting match like you would expect. Um, I wasn't that crazy with the finish, but the more I thought about it, I was okay with it because Eddie lost with some type of controversy right. involved. Uh, he ended up losing because Miro took off the turnbuckle and the referee blocked it from Eddie going uh, – from Miro putting his head into the turnbuckle that was exposed. And then when the referee – was not looking. Miro went with a low blow and got a kick on Eddie and got a pin. So he, he beat Eddie with some controversy. But I think it was the right decision to keep the title on Miro for now because I think Miro's been great. Miro's been doing great. And as you and I discussed a little bit before the show, uh, I think he looks in better shape now than he's looked in a decade. I, I think that his new look, you know, he's a little bit uh, more trim and, and all that. I feel like that's the right move for him because, man, he, he can really move around that ring now. Yeah. So I feel like, uh, you know, he, he's got it going on. So I, I'm with you. I think him going over was the right move and they need to keep pushing him, but, you know, and not make look uh, Kingston look bad. They, and I think they accomplished that with this match. Yeah. I think with Miro too, I'm glad he's not with Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford because Miro is perfect the way he is right now. He's a tough yes. guy. He's going in there beating people up yes. and, and dominating. And before it was more gimmicky stuff, and that's just not for him. Right. And for the love of God, get him away from a woman and don't bring his wife into the fold. <laughs> I was going to ask you about whether don't, Lana could come back. Don't do it. So I think, that, I think that drug his stock down where he was at before. Yeah. So I do think the, I don't think we're done with this, but Eddie Kingston's, he's kind of like a, um, you know, he's just a, he can be used in so many different areas. He can be in a main event. He can be in a good solid match like this with Miro. He can be in tag teams. I liked it when he and Moxley were a tag team because I went to that double or nothing pay-per-view in May. And, man, when they came out, and this is when Moxley started to use the Wild Thing song as the intro. Right. They got such a pop from that crowd. And that crowd was so hot for wrestling anyway because it was the first event that AEW had allowed fans at. Right. Um, but I mean, he's just a really good, solid guy. And I met him after the show. And he was a really cool guy down to earth. And he was so appreciative of the fact of fans being there. So I, I'm, I'm a big, big Eddie Kingston fan. Um, so I, I like to see this feud continue a little bit more. And who knows? You know, we were talking earlier, they got some big matches in New York. If they're looking to make a switch, maybe. Eddie winning in New York in front of his hometown crowd might get that huge pop. That would be good. That would be a good move. Yeah. So that was a good way to start the, the pay-per-view officially. Then we go to John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. I didn't really know much about – well, I didn't know anything about Kojima because uh, I really haven't followed Japanese wrestling since Harry Gordy and Dr. Death were no longer there. Right. But um, – Anyway, this is a big-time star in, in New Japan. Of course, Moxley has been doing a lot of wrestling in Japan and, and held um, one of the North uh, New Japan American titles, which I now um, – Lance Archer has that title. But I thought this was a really good, solid match. Uh, I think it 
it is what it needed to be. It was a good, hard-hitting, solid match, and Moxley went over. What's your take on it? Yeah, Moxley is that guy, man. I mean, to me, uh, he is a smaller version. If you watch his wrestling style, it, he's not the most graceful human being to ever grace the squared circle. And if you watch his style, it almost reminds you of a smaller Stan Hansen. He's just kind of a brawler, rough, goes in there. And when you watch it, it almost looks clumsy, but it's actually super entertaining and it looks like a fight. So you think I, he's, oh. go, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, because he's been doing a lot of flipping people off and stuff like that. And it almost makes me think that he's wanting his character to be like this, this era's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, but he, even Stone Cold, you know, WWE wanted him to be the brawler and this and that and the other and pushed him. And I was a, I was a stone cold Mark. I liked him, but you could still see the, the gracefulness and the wrestling style. If you paid attention in uh, stone cold, you know, bringing it from stunning Steve. <laughs> if you watch Moxley, man, he's just rough around the edges. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of what I like about him. And he was that way in uh, WWE as well. And, I think that's the style that he likes. And I think that's, that's the style he brought with him from uh, the independence and from ring of honor. And, you know, uh, and he likes going over to Japan and doing that. That's, yeah. that's just his style. And I, when you watch a match for him, it's not going to be a ballet and it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be smooth and all that. It just really reminds me of a smaller, uh, younger Stan Hansen because Stan Hansen was great, but he was anything but graceful. Yeah. Well, of course, now I learned Stan Hansen couldn't see hardly at all without his glasses on. So in the ring, he was squinting and, you know, hitting people hard and he couldn't see, or at least that was his story. Right. And that may be uh, why Stan Hansen wrestled the way he did. I don't know, but yeah. it, it was good. It, it went over. So, yeah. So, so Moxley ends up beating Kojima um, in this match and, uh, Really more of a Japanese strong style match. I thought it, um, its placement in the card was good as well because I, I, I like the idea of kicking off the matchup with Miro versus Eddie Kingston because you had an important match against two guys who are pretty popular. And if you had started with Moxley versus Kojima, there are a lot of people that just didn't know Kojima. Right. So I thought it was a good placement for this, this match. And I to your point, I think that it's very good for AEW to do that because it educates American fans that don't look at Japan. And the one thing, and I know people get tired of us bringing it up, but uh, WCW was very good at that. They brought Japan wrestlers in and showcased them and, you know, let the American fans learn to appreciate them a little bit more. WCW did a very good job of that. Well, and on that... Go ahead. Cool. Yeah, it looks like AEW is going to carry that on a bit. Yeah, they have a, from what I understand, a really good working relationship with New Japan. Right. Because Kenny Omega was over there for many years and a top star. And I think the, um, the Bucks were over there for a little bit. But Kenny Omega was a big star. Well, Jericho, so, Jericho himself has done yeah. a lot in Japan. Yeah. And so Moxley's done this. And I think that relationship was also very important in bringing in uh, Brian Danielson, because Danielson, from what I understand, I mean, WWE was doing their, their darndest to keep him and offer him a big contract and give him flexibility to do what he wanted to do in Japan and stuff. And there were stories I was seeing because, you know, all these 
things you see online, you don't know how accurate the stories are. Right. And stuff. But that uh, Nick Khan, no relation to Tony Khan, uh, but uh, the new, new-ish, she, uh, president of WWE, he, so he was trying to get more with uh, WWE doing stuff with Japan and stuff like that. But Tony Khan, you know, went and just solidified his relationship even further with New Japan. And that was a big draw to get uh, Brian Danielson over here. And I think I, I'm glad that AEW did that because I think it would kind of stink for WWE just to kind of come in and say, yeah, we're going to do all this and you can bring in your wrestlers to do this and that, but they didn't want to do a talent trade. They didn't want to send WWE people over, except maybe like a Brian Danielson. But well, AEW has been very open to sending their guys over there. Well, Vince Archer's there now. Right. A couple things with that. You know, Vince is not going to put over Japanese guys over his own guys. He's Vince is notorious for that. And two, AEW was really, if you look at the history of it, they were born out of Japanese wrestling because what AEW was born from was that match of the year series that uh, Jericho and Omega had over in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. So that right in that era, right after that is when they got together and decided, hey, we're going to do AEW. Yeah. And they tied it in with Tony Khan and got uh, uh, Rhodes, Cody Rhodes. You know, he's, he's heavily involved in it. And that's when AEW was born, man. They brought that talent in because they knew people wanted it. Yeah. Well, and I, I just want to go ahead and talk now about uh, Moxley's progression because uh, in this match, um, uh, Minoru Suzuki came out after the match and came face-to-face with Moxley. And Minoru Suzuki is a big-time star in, in Japan. I didn't know that much about him, but I did some research on him. And right. so they exchanged forearms, and then they had a, a match on Wednesday night against Dynamite that was, you know, similar match to with Kojima, where it was just hard hitting. Um, Moxley goes over, but you know, trying to bring over some of these stars and uh, get them more exposed to uh, the American talent. The Americans, you know, used to them too. And I'll say the Wednesday night Dynamite match uh, was just as good to me as this one was. Yeah. And I was looking up these guys, Suzuki and Kojima, because they're like 53 or 54. I was trying to find matches with them and like Terry Gordy and um, Stan Hansen. Well, there got to be matches with them and Stan Hansen over there, because Stan Hansen was in Japan until I think like 2000 or 2001. And Gordy, really, after he had that that overdose in 93, he was there for a little bit, but not as much. But I would like to see some of them in their younger day matches with them in their younger days against the Gordy and the Steve Williams and um, Stan Hansen, some of these younger, um, th- these great Americans over there. Oh yeah, for sure. So, all right, well, moving along here, we go to the women's championship match of Chris Statlander versus Dr. Britt Baker. And I, I have to give some props to both of these wrestlers. Um, first off, Britt Baker went over, but her wrestling has really improved. Obviously, her mic uh, work has improved a lot, too. But she's really a, a good, solid women's wrestler. I know when I saw her in that championship match um, against Sakaro Ishida, where she won the match at uh, Double or Nothing in May, that was just a really good wrestling match. And I thought this was a good, solid wrestling match, too. And Chris Statlander did better than I thought. So I, I, I thought this was a really good match. Was it match of the year? No, but I thought it was really 
a good solid match in the women's division. AEW has improved by leaps and bounds from when it first started. Agreed with that. And if people go back and listen to our old uh, podcast episodes, we talked about that was AEW's weakness. And quite frankly, when Dr. Britt Baker was a face, when she first came out, when AEW was new, I, I'm not going to say she was terrible, but she just was not, you know, she, she wasn't pushing the, the envelope and I just didn't, she was not one of my favorites by far. And when she went heel, her wrestling still needed help, but her heel character and persona and her mic, uh, work on the mic really improved tremendously just in that, uh, for her going heel. Cause she carried it very well and she plays a heel very well. Now, as you said, I have to agree in the last year, her wrestling has come up tremendously. She, she can really carry a match and she does good. Statlander is a great athletic performer and I want them to go away with her uh, storyline and give her a different storyline because I think that's part of her downfall is she's a super good wrestler and got a good look and, and athletic, but she don't have a good storyline. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say with Britt Baker, when she did those vignettes with Tony Schiavone, yes. that's where I started to get more interested in her. And obviously when she brought Reba in, Reba's smoking hot. But Agreed. Unfortunately, Reba is not good in the ring at all. Right, right. So, you know, she's got to be, um, I guess, sort of the manager in that. But, uh, but I thought those vignettes were great. And then when she had her match with Thunder Rosa, um, I thought that was great. And when she got the bloody nose, I mean, even though she lost that match to Thunder Rosa because they were really trying to push Thunder Rosa, um, Britt Baker became a star in that match. Agreed. Agreed. So, I, I like Reba myself. She's, you know, I loved her when she was Rebel, but she she needs to uh, work on her ring skills for sure. Yeah, they had a match last night on the uh, Rampage, and it uh, Re, uh, Rebel took the or Reba took the pin. We call her Rebel or Rebel or Reba. Either one. Yeah. Um, and she she took the pin. It was Britt Baker and Reba and um, Jamie Hayter. So I, I like Jamie Hayter. I think she's got a good look. She's powerful. Um, she's kind of like the muscle in the group. Um, so and they were they were going to put uh, Ruby Soho over. It was Ruby Soho, Chris Statlander, and. Um, Oh, gosh, uh, one of the Japanese wrestlers, um, I forgot her name, um, Riho, who is actually the first women AEW women's champion. Yes. But yep. um, so they're going to push Ruby Soho, which we'll get into that a little bit more. But, man, Reba just didn't look uh, very comfortable in the ring at all. But uh, I'd like to see her improve there. But I, I think the thing is, too, she's she's around our age, too, so it's not like she's – like Britt Baker in 28 or something in flexibility, but yeah, Rebel's been around. She, I mean, I, I was watching her in TNA 10 years ago. So, or more. Yeah. But, um, this was a really good match with Baker and Statlander. A lot of good, uh, uh, good, just wrestling. I thought too, um, several good false finishes uh, ultimately Dr. Britt Baker. Um, the part I loved in the match is, she delivered the Pittsburgh Sunrise, which is a, the Panama Sunrise, which um, Adam Cole used. And then she added a stomp, and I thought that was great. And then Chris Statlander kicks out of it. 
But I just thought I, I'm a huge Adam Cole fan. Yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, all right, he's coming out. And we we we've been talking about well, we thought that Adam Cole was gonna appear at this, but where would he appear and stuff? So when I saw that, I got excited because I knew Adam Cole was gonna make an appearance. But then Statlander kicked out and ultimately um Britt Baker put the lock jaw on to retain her title. So, but I thought it was a really good match. And I'm, I'm proud to see the women's division doing a lot better. Agreed. All right, next matchup. Well, before we get to this matchup, since we've been talking about the women, let's talk about that women casino battle royale. Um, just so people know who the contestants were, this is the order that they came in. We had a Carlos Sheeta, who was the most recent women's champion before Dr. Britt Baker. So she lost that title in, uh, in Double or Nothing in May. Sky Blue, new uh, new woman on the roster. Emi Sakura, uh, another uh, New Japan wrestler, wrestler. The Bunny, and Abaddon. I don't care anything about Abaddon. He's like one of these zombie characters. I do like the Bunny, and she's gotten a whole lot better. All right, next we had Anna Jay. I was glad to see her back after an injury. Kiara Hogan, uh, uh, Kylie King. Uh, Diamante and Nyla Rose. I will say, Kylie King um, was on that card for the NWA with Billy Corgan. And uh, our first official wrestling guest, Miranda Gordy, was on that uh, that card. They, they had it on Fight TV. So Miranda threw her around a little bit. But Kylie King was actually, uh, she's a big girl. And, and um, Miranda's a tall, big girl, too. But Kylie was even bigger than her. But So anyway, so we have a connection to one of our guests. Nice. Next, uh, you had Thunder Rosa, who's really great. And I guess she's AEW full-time now. Or I, I don't know if she's going to do it in NWA, but um, she's really good. Love Penelope Ford. Yeah. She has improved leaps and bounds, and I'm so glad that they're trying to, to push her and that she's better in the ring because she just has a great look and a good heel. Uh, next, Riho. Um, Mentioned Jamie Hayter, the power for Dr. Britt Baker and Big Swole. Uh, next, Ty Conti. I like Ty Conti. Red Velvet, Layla Hirsch, Jane Cargill, and Rebel. And the Joker was Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho uh, went over in this match. And I will say, I, I was caught off guard with her being the, the, um, the Joker, but I'm glad to see it. And I'm really just... I was so happy for her when she came out and she was just so thrilled with the reception she got from the crowd. And it felt like, you know, she finally got the respect and, and support she needed from the crowd that she was not getting in WWE. Right. So, but overall, I thought this was good. It ended up, um, you know, it showcased some of the, the talent really well. I, I, you know, the Bunny and um, Penelope Ford have been bat battling with Ty Conti and uh, Anna Jay. So I do like that matchup. Um, Nyla Rose, obviously a big powerhouse against Jade Cargill. I would like to see that. I think Jade Cargill is really talented. I think she's really green right now. But I like the matchup of her and Nyla Rose uh, more on AEW because you, you got to have powerhouses because eventually if they push Jade Cargill, she is so much bigger than Dr. Britt Baker. It's hard for me to, to see Britt Baker coming out. Right. Know. And I think right. you got to keep Britt Baker as your champion for a while because she's just red hot right now. 
Well, I'm going to say before AEW started recruiting and bringing in a lot more women, Big Swole, I, I liked her. And I mm-hmm. like what, and I feel like they've kind of pushed her to the back. I feel like they need to bring her back up a little bit because she's very talented, good look, strong, you know, very athletic. I, I, I think they need to uh, push her. To me, I think she's AEW's answer to Bianca Belair for WWE, really. Yeah. And uh, I'm a huge fan of her. So I would like to see them bring her back up a little bit. Big Swole is not really a good character name. I think maybe they need to work on that. Yeah. Because uh, that's part of it. Your moniker is part of what uh, brings you to the table. So I think mm-hmm. they may. I'm not going to say they need to repackage her, but they may need to think about that and bring her back up. Yeah, I, I know she's been battling Diamante on um, the YouTube shows for AEW Dark and AEW um, Elevation, which those shows are pretty good. I, I don't watch them every week, but I've watched several. And those, those shows are what they need to be. They're right. shows where you have some of your talent going over job guys or you know some of the independents locally or whatever, and they're getting them over. And that's important, and I don't think WWE does that. I agree 100%. And so I think that's important. And I think they do a pretty good job of getting the women in there. And right now, if you think about AEW, just amount amount of TV time between Dynamite two hours, um, Rampage an hour, which I think Rampage for an hour is perfect on Friday night. Agreed. Um, Then they've got the Dark and Dynamite. I mean, they've got like seven hours of TV through the week. And really they kind of need to feature some more people that we'll get into a little bit later. Um, Because, you know, you want to see these people wrestle and not be out of sight, out of mind. Well, you're absolutely right. WWE's main TV is raw and SmackDown. And, you know, WWE is still the powerhouse or whatever. They're the 800 pound gorilla in the room. But when WWE was at its top, you still had Sunday night heat. You still had, you know, back in the old days, like when you and I were kids, they had superstars on Saturday. Yeah. And that, like you said, showcased a lot of people that don't necessarily have time to be showcased in a Raw or a SmackDown. And again, I've said it since Raw decided to do this ever how many years ago. Raw needs to be two hours, not three. Yeah. And put that other hour on Sunday night or Saturday morning or something and don't call it raw call it something else and showcase different people but three hours is too long people people tune out they change channel uh that that's just cramming it down their throat and of course that's the mcmahon style he wants to push if it's what he wants he wants to push it down your throat till you submit but Mm -hmm. he's wrong in this case and he's been wrong for a decade so that's my opinion they they need to go back to a sunday night heat or a, a superstars on saturday morning or you know some other time but they didn't yeah. do that it's amazing they don't have um, any saturday morning wrestling so i will plug the peacock network here because it's the best five dollars you can spend at the month agreed for five bucks a month they have like all the old uh, world championship wrestling on there going back to like uh when jim crockett promotions they don't have georgia championship wrestling but they have all the world championship wrestling. Then they go back to all the WCW stuff. They have all the old um, 80s and 90s TV shows of WWF, uh, primetime wrestling, uh, that stuff. They have Mid-South. They have uh, world-class. So I get up every Saturday morning. And I watch an hour or two of wrestling. 
Right. So, um, but anyway, I do think the women's roster is so much better. I mean, I'm just looking at this right now. I do like Anna Jay. Um, she's actually uh, the girlfriend of Jungle Boy now, but I like her and Tay Conti. Uh, they've really improved as wrestlers. Because when they first started this women's division, they just, the, the wrestling wasn't very good. And then I know Kenny Omega, I guess he was in charge of it initially. I don't know if he's in charge of it now. But they were bringing in so many of the wrestlers from Japan that I, I just didn't know. And you just couldn't relate to. So now they've got a little better mix of, you know, American got Thunder Rosa from Mexico. And Thunder Rosa can just flat wrestle. And I, I think that the fact is their wrestling is just better. Yeah, she's a so, good wrestler for sure. I, I like Thunder Rosa. I'm definitely a, a fan. And not even included in this is Serena Deeb, who she's um, injured right now, but she's a, an amazing wrestler. So anyway, Ruby Soho is over. What's your thought about Ruby Soho coming from WWE to uh, AEW? I think it's a good move for her. I think it's a good move for AEW all around. <laughs> she's a good talent. Uh, it raises the level of talent which you and I touched on earlier that, you know, AEW's where they were lacking was the women's division. And now they are bringing it up in leaps and bounds. The women's division has, is probably 10 times better than it was a year and a half ago. So uh, I think it was a great move for, for both parties. I think she uh, is going to gain notoriety and get pushed. And I think AEW's talent level came up. So I think it's a solid move. Yeah. All right. So Ruby Soho wins. That sets up a matchup with her and Britt Baker. And um, through Dynamite and even uh, Rampage, they've they've battled uh, a little bit more. So uh, they'll be battling uh, for the next few months. We'll see what happens with that. All right. Going back to the, the match before this, the Steel Cage match for the AEW Tag Team title, the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks. I will start this match by saying, or this analysis by saying, I detest the Young Bucks. I, I, I just absolutely detest them. Not necessarily for their wrestling, but the reason why I detest them is I hate their style of tag team where they don't follow the rules. That referee, Rick Knox, allows them to be in the ring for like 10 seconds, 15 seconds. I mean, I don't even know why they have rules. So really, right. this match right here, it was a Young Bucks rule match. It was There were no tags. It was just four guys going against each other. So that really bothers me with the Young Bucks. I, I will say that they, they delivered good pay-per-view matches, and they certainly did in this one. But they just look so goofy. I mean, Nick Jackson now, I mean, he's coming out with, like, nose rings and chains <laughs> on the nose. And right. it's like that they're just – they just look so goofy. And right. I'm like, can't they be like Adam Cole, where he comes out in like a leather jacket and he, you know, looks cool. And so these guys don't look cool at all. So I don't know if that means they're really doing their job and getting me irritated uh, as a heel. But, and, and when they go over somebody like an FTR, I, I, and then FTR just goes way down the chains, the rankings and stuff. That just bothers me. So I was thrilled to see the Lucha Brothers win this match, but I will give the Young Bucks some credit. This was a really good match, and I think overall it was um, it was the match of the night. What's your take on it? So I, I wholly agree with 
that being the match of the night. Uh, I don't hate the Young Bucks as much as you do. <laughs> but I, can't I, them. I will say that uh, this look with the nose ring and chain and all that, I'm thinking that they're doing that to do their job. I think that's part of it, just to be extra annoying. And yeah. It's, and it's obviously working for you. So they're, they're, they're doing it. their job, but agreed. A lot of times they don't, uh, you know, part of the mystique of the, re you know, we know wrestling staged, we know it's a show, blah, blah, blah. You know, part of the mystique is, you know, they are supposed to get out of the ring within five seconds or it's a count out or they get disqualified and things like that. You know, over the years, we've always seen people stretch that, but it's like they, I agree wholly that they do that all the time and they need to uh, tighten that up a little bit to show that there are rules in professional wrestling. Cause that's part of the whole game, right? It's part of what we like about it. And, mm -hmm. you know, the young bucks take the, you know, let, let's just call it what it is. The young bucks are the rockers of 2021 or, you know, since they've come out, I mean, that's who they got their style from. Let's just be honest. And then of course the rockers got a lot of their style from the rock and roll express. And those type of tag teams, a big piece of their, uh, you know, going over or piece of them drawing the fans is they do a lot of double teaming and a lot of moves together and, and all that. And their timing is fantastic, but yeah. let, let's keep it in perspective and let's keep it in, you know, let's draw it back a little bit and don't just leave you in there two on one for 15 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever. Let's, let's make it work, you know, as it should now again they're heels mm -hmm. so they're going to push that envelope and they're going to make you mad and that, that's what they're supposed to do but i'm in agreement to a degree with you but you know the young bucks they can carry a match and this match was great yeah and they're highly athletic and when it's game time they show up right i i agree with that i mean um, the first match i saw them live was at double or nothing in may where they went against eddie kingston and um and John Moxley, and I was so rooting for John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. There, I mean, I just, like I said, I when they came out to to Wild Thing, I mean that crowd popped. Um, they were so excited for that, and I feel like the Young Bucks. I mean, I told the guy next to me because he was a Young Bucks fan, and I said I don't like the Young Bucks, but I'm going to tell you that they delivered a good match. But the thing about this match is that I liked is they try, they kept in the cage to hopefully avoid all this interference because that Brandon Cutler, that guy's a goof, and I think they just need to get rid of him from, uh, from the elite. And really, I don't know how much Gallows and Anderson are adding here. I know they always interfere and stuff, but, you know, they're a good tag team too. I kind of like would, would like to see them be a little bit more serious. Right. But, um, but I think that if I would – I would like to see the young bucks just look more cool and more like a Tully and Arn back in the day where they were heels, but they look cool or, um, you know, just something that looks more cool, whether it would be uh, Shawn Michaels when he went heel or something, because Kenny Omega can come across as a, a cool looking heel and right. they just stick out. And then they're wearing these jumpsuits and like Nick Jackson, who's, he's really good in the ring. I will give him that. He's really good. He's better than Matt, Matt Jackson. But, um, I mean, his, his legs are so skinny, he doesn't look like a professional wrestler at all. <laughs> I'm like, wear something to, if you don't have 
good legs, just wear some pants. But, right. Rick, but, I mean, look at Rick Rude. Super yeah. upper, super upper body, but never had the legs to match. It was just genetics. He worked yeah. them. He worked them, but he always wore the long pants because of that. Yeah, but I, I will say I like this matchup going in because the Lucha Brothers wrestling style is very similar to the Bucks. A lot of high flying stuff. I mean, Ray Phoenix is amazing. I mean, I'm sure everyone is who has seen this match. Their the favorite part would be where. He comes off the top of the cage, which he was even higher than when Jimmy Snuka came off the cage in 82 against Morocco. Oh, and yeah. granted, he had three guys there to, to catch him, including Penta, who took a huge bump off of it. But then he pops up immediately, and the Bucks are suffering. So I, I was like, you know, that really should have just been the Bucks there. But be that as it may, when you're flying that high off the ramp, uh, off the cage, you know, you don't want him to get hurt, but right. But I thought it was a good match. I like the fact that the Bucks um, used that uh, the shoe with tax. At first, I didn't, I didn't like it, but the more I thought about it, it, it just kind of built more violence into it. My only criticism of the match was I thought it was too long, and that's another criticism yeah. I have of the Bucks in general. Is I think even through Dynamite, their matches or their segments are too long, and you could cut them in half and still get the heat that they need to get and allow another match for some of these people who don't necessarily get on TV who should, like a Brian Cage or a, a, a Lance Archer or a FTR, some, some of them. I will agree wholeheartedly on that, and I think that is some of the struggle at AEW is whether they realize it or not now they're facing is they're bringing all this talent in and now they've got so much talent, they don't know what to do with it. And therefore, it, it, your, your point is perfect. They need to start cutting some of these other matches down a little bit that are going too long. Young Bucks are entertaining. I, I like watching them. Uh, they're high-flying, they're athletic and all that. That's not necessarily my favorite style because I'm old school in that, in that way. But they are fun to watch. But let's cut them down by seven, eight minutes a match and throw that – to somebody else and put them out there so that we can start promoting these people a little bit. Yeah. Well, I thought, uh, I mean, Penta and Ray Phoenix are, are talented. I, I just didn't think the Bucks would, would give up the titles, but um, our friend Christian, he called this right on. Um, he's like, yeah, there's gotta be some type of title change. So he picked this match, but I'm glad they did it because the Lucha brothers winning that helps their relationship with AAA, the, the promotion in Mexico, where Andrade right. has been doing more wrestling and stuff. And it, right. And plus, I was just getting tired of the Bucks. They were just pushed down my throat. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing the Lucha Brothers against hopefully like a Santana and Ortiz, which is another team that definitely needs to be pushed more. I would have loved to have seen more matches with them and FTR. Uh, maybe you have the F FTR going over here. You've got um I uh, shoot the rap group um Max Caster and um the the acclaim I like them yeah. good young team so there are a lot of teams that just need more exposure and I think the Lucha Brothers being champs will hopefully result in that right but uh but good match I mean you know anytime you've got a guy jumping off the top of the cage like that it's it's amazing and they they had that crowd hot I will say, though, I, and before we got on this, I, I was on Facebook, and there was a group of 
you know, a lot of well-informed wrestling fans. And there was a post about um, Dave Meltzer, the widely, highly regarded uh, wrestling historian. He's a huge Young Bucks fan, and he yeah. always raves about them. He gave this uh, a, a five and three-quarter star out of five match. And I posted <laughs> on there, and I'm like, you know, this guy's got to be getting paid to, right. to put them over kind of thing, which they do. You know, I know he likes them, and they the Bucks have the, the move called the Meltzer driver. But <laughs> I'm like, you know, let's not really get crazy here. I, I think if this is a great match. He was like, oh, it's one of the greatest – it's the greatest steel cage match of all time. And I'm uh, like, well – Come on, come on. I'm like, not to be a WWE homer here, because I, I commented on both some NWA matches and WWF matches. I don't know how you – can say the greatest cage match was not one of the hell in the cell matches with the undertaker either against mankind where he goes off the top and plows through to me that's what i would vote for is the best or the hell in the cell match with Shawn michaels uh in the 90s man i'll take it i'll take it a different step man some of the war games cage matches to me were some of the most entertaining you can't count those out you know yeah for Meltzer to say something like that that you know, I, I listen to a lot of what he has to say, and I respect the man, you know, for his knowledge and stuff. But that that kind of makes him lose stock in my mind to say something stupid like that. <laughs> I hate to yeah. say that, but man, it was definitely a four, maybe four and a half star. It was a great match. Okay, yeah. it was the ma- match of the night for that pay per view. But to say that that was the greatest of all time, yeah, we're pushing well, and, there. And I even went back to. Those Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes matches for the NWA title back right. in the day were great. And and a wrestler that I want to mention that I feel like just is completely forgotten a lot and, and kind of maligned in a way, Ronnie Garvin. Yes. I've been watching some of his matches with Ric Flair. Hands Those down. were great matches, great yes. matches. Yep. And not just the one in the cage, which he won the title, and even when he lost the title, Right. Even on World Championship Wrestling on Saturday, yep. I mean those those Ronnie Garvin matches with Ric Flair were intense. I mean they were physical. They were great. I was a Hands of Stone fan, and I again he was another talent that was brought over to WWF at the time, and they kind of watered him down. Now I did like his uh, feud with Dino Bravo. I thought that was done very well back in the day, and it was a good story, but. Uh, I loved Ronnie Garvin back in the NWA days, early WCW. Yeah. So, anyway, great match, but this podcast doesn't think it's the greatest of all time, but still, it was really good. Um, I mean, it was really, really good, and even though I despise the Young Bucks' wrestling characters, never met them personally, um, they do deliver big matches in the pay-per-views. I mean, there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Yeah, they're game-time players for sure. Yeah. So moving on, um, this match was followed by the women's casino battle royale, which um, we've discussed. Which I thought the the match placement here was great because those fans were really into that Young Bucks uh, match with the Lucha Brothers, as they should have been. So this battle royal kind of gave the fans and the viewers a chance to t- kind of take a deep breath and collect their thoughts. So that match is what it is. Uh, and what it needed to be. Next, we go to the final fight, Chris Jericho versus MJF, where Chris Jericho 
loses this match, he will never wrestle again in AEW and would go to commentary. And Chris Jericho goes over in this match in a bit of controversy because MJF had a pin on Jericho. Aubrey Edwards counted three, but Jericho got his foot on the rope just before Aubrey's hand hit three. She didn't see it. So Paul um, Turner, outside official, talked with, with um, Aubrey, mentioned that Jericho got his foot on the rope before, and the call was overturned, even though he seemed to miss the fact of all this other outside interference and the, uh, MJF hitting him with the bat and stuff. But anyway, MJF's victory was overturned. Jericho ends up getting a few punches in and, and moves, um, but hits him with um, the, uh, well, I call it the Boston Crab. It's the, the walls of Jericho and gets MJF to tap out to win the match. Overall, I, I thought the match, was, it was a good match. I like the fact that they were selling MJF's back injury when uh, Jericho lifted him up and hit him on the, the ring apron, and so that's how they finished the match. So I thought it was a good, solid match, but the most thing, the thing I'm most happy about with this match is this feud with MJF and Jericho is over because it lasted yeah. forever. Yes. Good match. I like both characters. I think they do a great job as uh, MJF as a heel. I think he he's a great young talent. Uh, yeah. And they're, they're doing good with him. But, yes, I can't agree with that more. It took forever for this feud to culminate. You know, we didn't know if they were going to be friends, if they were going to – and then they were for a little while and then all that. And then, you know, that led into finally they had a feud. And here we are again, you know, later – I'm glad it's over. Let's let these two talents go different ways and let's push some other talents with them. Uh, it, it's time to move on. But, you know, we were, they were successful with Jericho building MJF up because Jericho was the established guy and everybody knows mm -hmm. Jericho worldwide and MJF was the new guy. And now they've got MJF built up and people know him, especially anybody that watches AEW. Uh, he's a well-known guy now well-known talent, successful, let's move on. Let's give him a new storyline and, and push him on, which, well, uh, you know, like you and I talked about just a little bit earlier, they're planting seeds now with him and Wardlow. Uh, in my mind, I feel like they're going to eventually have a, a little feud there, uh, but it'll probably be slow and it'll, you know, build up and build up as he's fighting other people. And then uh, we'll finally get that. Yeah. I guess I have, well, three questions for you on this follow-up. Um, on MJF, did that, would you have booked this for MJF to beat Jericho? See, I'm a huge Jericho fan. Always have been. Uh, whether he's heel, face, whatever, I've always liked Jericho. And this goes all the way back to Jericho showing up in ECW a little bit. And uh, I, I loved WCW Jericho as much or more than I did WWE Jericho yeah. and he, he would probably hate to hear that, but I thought he was great. Uh, with, with what's going on with Jericho, you know, we, we all know what's going on with him. If you follow him, he's getting ready to go out on tour and, and do the fuzzy thing. And, and that, I don't think that it killed MJF uh, for, Jericho to win with controversy, but I think I would have booked it with MJF winning with controversy. I would have too. 
I would have too. And when we were talking about, um, you know, we're surprises for the pay-per-view before it came on. I mean, I would, I would have liked to have seen if I was booking, which, which uh, I guess I will use a, a quote from Jim Cornette when they asked him about how Punk uh, was brought in by AEW and Cornette's quote was, it wasn't the way I would have done it. It was better. And I'll, I'll say that with my booking on how uh, Adam Cole came in. It, I would have had Adam Cole come in this match and done something to um, get involved, and then you'd have Adam Cole going against MJF, and that Adam Cole, that MJF loses because of Adam Cole interfering, right? Uh, or, or the fact of Adam Cole comes in and he does something with Jericho, but. Yeah. But AEW did it better by bringing him in and making him with the Young Bucks. That just, I, I think that's going to be a better feud. Uh, I like the idea with him and Jungle Boy. But I was thinking Adam Cole could come in here because I could see Adam Cole being the next battle for Jericho before Jericho goes on that European tour in January because yeah. his current Fozzie tour is starting pretty soon, but they've got off days on Wednesdays and Fridays. So I was thinking, okay – well, he could st- he can still come for dynamite and he can still be there for rampage and still have a few. So he needs something to do between now and like January or end of the year, and that could be Adam Cole. And if Jericho lost with controversy, they would write it so that some way that Tony Khan is like he's uh, not going to uphold Jericho being banned from wrestling because there was shenanigans going on. But yet MJF goes over and he still stays red hot. Right. So, um, well, let, let's be, let's just call it what it is here. Jericho is well above and beyond established. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude, the dude's been wrestling for 30 plus years uh, successfully. Between the two, the one that needed the lift here is MJF. I agree. So, so if Jericho would have lost, especially with some type of controversy or count out or interference or whatever, man. He he's not losing credibility. Come on. Exactly. So, so MJF could have rolled that victory a little bit and it could have pushed him as the young guy, uh, you know, where he's at in his career. MJF, as long as everything, he stays healthy and all that, he, he, the sky's the limit for him. He may be the next Jericho as far as that goes 20, 25 years from now, he may still be, uh, you know, a household name, but, uh, right now in his career, he needed that victory worse than Jericho. I, I agree. That's what I would like to have seen. Uh, next question for you on MJF. All right, so he's had this faction with the Pinnacle. So it's him and Wardlow with FTR and Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard's involved. Um, does the Pinnacle need to continue? Because I haven't seen MJF and Wardlow with FTR and Sean Spears in several weeks. I mean, really, since they had that battle with um, with Jericho and, um, well, shoot, uh, the inner circle. Yeah. And even on Dynamite, there was no you – know, Tully and Arn – I mean, I'm sorry, Tully came out with FTR and Sean Spears, and they had a six-man where they beat Dark Order. Nothing with it. MJF and Wardlow. Wardlow came out with MJF, and they had the, the issue with Brian Pillman Jr., Right. Should the pinnacle I, continue or should it disband? Because I would say they should disband. 
I'm going to go ahead and go a step further and say Pinnacle and Inner Circle should just disband and push the, all those talents in their own way. Well, that was going to be my third question about Inner Circle. Right. I think uh, both groups, like you said, man, that they're losing, they're dissipating. Like, uh, and I hadn't even been, you know, I'll be honest here. I haven't been on top of it, you know, the last couple months, uh, not near as, as much as you have, but I've been tracking it just enough to see that those two factions don't, they don't have the pop or the power that they had. So I, I think it's time to move them on. Now let's keep Wardlow and MJF together. They've been together before Pinnacle started. Uh, you know, maybe you keep a couple of the guys from the inner circle together. And uh, let me let me ask this question: Where is uh, Jake Hager? Well, he does a run in um, every now and then. Um, he did a run in in this match with Wardlow, which I thought was kind of a silly run in because neither Wardlow nor Jake Hager or Hager even made it to the match to interfere. And right. MJF made reference to that in his uh, promo on Wednesday night. Right. Um, I think I haven't seen Sammy Guevara wrestle in, I bet, a month. He came out when that Fuego del Sol, his friend, got um, um, he got um, a contract. I think Sammy wrestled in Houston because that's his hometown. But Sammy, uh, Sammy's a hot young talent, man. That I would no be pushing Sammy. I mean, you got Sammy who could be going against Adam Cole here. Um, right. I mean, you got Sammy who could be going against uh, a whole bunch of th this new Daniel Garcia that's come in, and not that he's that great, but he's been on every TV show I've seen except this yeah. pay per view. They're pushing, and I'm it. like, and I'm like, let those guys go, right? Um, and at FTR, I know they were out for a while with um, Cash Wheeler having that injury, but Santana Ortiz and uh, FTR, I wanted to see more of that. Feud. And Santana and Ortiz let them go against, um, you know, the Lucha Brothers. And I hope they win this tag team tournament. But, you know, the inner circle, I think, needs to be broken up, too, because they're just not as active enough. They're not as good as the elite. Um, I would just let them go and just develop. And the same yep. with the pinnacle. I think MJF and Wardlow, let them stay a group and battle the, the varsity blondes, which I really like that idea. Because the varsity blondes are, are good. They need to capitalize more on Brian Pillman Jr.'s name, especially. Really, they're about two or three months behind in that because they should have capitalized more on him when the Brian Pillman, uh, the Brian Pillman Sr. story came out on the Agreed. outside the ring. But I do like the, the varsity blondes. They have a, they have a good baby face look uh, with him and Griff Garrison. I do like Julia Hart, the, the blonde cheerleader. So that's where they're going with MJF right now and Wardlow, and I, I do like that. It's a feud that MJF should win, but it kind of gives some younger guys a push as well. So I do like the direction for MJF. I don't really know where you go with Jericho right now because Jericho always likes to be paired up with a, a top person to kind of go over and kind of bury him in a way. I mean, he did it with uh, Orange Cassidy for a little while. And, of course, I mean, Jericho's got to get some wins in there too. Right. So I don't really know the direction you go with him right now. You can't make Jericho a jobber by no means. No. No. So I don't he's, know if he's it's got something. to stay relevant. I mean, I could see maybe them having a battle with Daniel Garcia in 2.0 because that way you have Daniel Garcia going against um, Sammy. You have um, Santana Ortiz going against 2.0 and they're getting wins like they should there. 
Um, and then maybe Daniel Garcia has a match or two with Jericho. Maybe that could be. Yeah. Um, maybe the Hardy family business. That way you're kind of getting a private party a little more elevated in some matches against Santana and Ortiz. And right. um, Hardy goes against Sammy. You see that. But I, I don't think Jericho and those guys are main eventers yet. I do think Sammy, though, he he's really good. He needs to be on TV more. So let's talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is more of the old school. What's going on with Blanchard and Sting? I don't know. I'm kind of anxious to see that. Um, I'm glad they gave Tully a promo right. on um, – it was last night on um, Dynamite, and then they had the, the promo. I'm sorry. It was last night on Rampage, and then they had a promo, uh, I guess, leading into that on Dynamite. Yep. I don't know, but I'm glad they're using Tully more than just sitting there and doing nothing. Right. Because in that match, I guess it was on Dynamite the other night where um, FTR lost Centene uh, Ortiz. I don't have a problem with – FTR losing to Santana and Ortiz, but I do think their first match back after the injury, FTR needs to go over there. Um, I mean, they've really gone down the rankings, and, and that's just a booking issue. But, uh, but how can you let them lose? And Tully, the manager, a heel manager, doesn't get involved at all. I thought that was ridiculous. I agree 100%. So I want to see Tully – give good interviews and be involved and be a better heel. Um, so I'm anxious to see where that goes. Um, I do like the matchup of Darby Allen versus Sean Spears because Sean Spears has been another one that's just kind of floating yep. around there with really just kind of an elevated jobber. Yeah, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. I think AEW is getting into the problem where they've got so much talent. They don't know where to book them and, and, they don't have enough TV time to push everybody. They're going to have to start cutting some of these stars times down a little bit, still keep them relevant, but push some of these other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, even with, even in the feud with pinnacle versus, uh, inner circle, they didn't maximize the, the MJF versus, uh, Sammy Guevara heat enough. I think they had a couple of matches. Um, I would have done more with that. I still think FTR and uh, Centeno and Ortiz were do a few more matches. And I don't know what Jake Hager's wrestling schedule is. I don't know if he's semi-retired like Dustin Rhodes, but Dustin Rhodes wrestles more than Jake Hager and, frankly, better. And Dustin still looks good, man. For, yeah. for an older guy, he can still get it. Yeah, we'll get to him a little bit later, but – but I do like the idea of MJF against uh, the Varsity Blondes. Uh, they'll win that and move forward. But I just think they need to keep MJF strong. And I wouldn't break up him and Wardlow for a little while. I know they eventually will, but that's just a good duo right there. And we'll see what happens with Jericho. Maybe they'll take our advice and do something with Daniel Garcia and 2.0. Right. But I do, I do like the idea of the – Hardy family business, though, because like we mentioned when we first came on, the Hardy group, they're, they're kind of just elevated jobbers right now, and that's not very good. Right. But uh, so moving on, we get to the anticipated match of CM Punk versus Darby Allen. CM Punk 
in the first in the ring for the first time in seven years against the upstart Darby Allen, who has a huge following, and his pairing with Sting has only elevated him in AEW. Uh, CM Punk goes over as expected, but what was your take on this match? I thought Darby Allen was a good uh, welcome back match for CM Punk because Darby is a star and he's one of the hottest commodities in AEW right now. So who else better to start with uh, for CM Punk? I, I think that it would have been a mistake to throw CM Punk in there with Jericho right off the bat. I think we'll probably I see agree. that. I think we'll see it eventually, and hopefully we'll see CM Punk and MJF at some point. But uh, I think Darby was just the right man for the job. Uh, he can help carry the match. Uh, CM Punk, again, I'm not a huge fan. I'm glad that he came back, and I'm glad that he came to AEW because it was good for them. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was good for him because he could wrestle his style. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to give him props. He, they had a great match. They did very well. Mm -hmm. The ring rust. The ring rust was not apparent, at, you know, as much in this match. When you see other guys go away for any amount of time, you know, seven months, much less seven years, uh, you can typically see it. But I felt like CM Punk was well prepared. They must have been really, really training, and he must have spent a lot of time in the ring preparing for this because the ring rust was definitely not apparent. I thought they did several things well in this match. Number one, they let it was primarily a wrestling match. This wasn't yes. an eight, uh, a WWE um, sports entertainment match. This wasn't a gimmick match. Right. So I thought the wrestling was uh, good. That's what I appreciated the most. Uh, I guess they really kind of studied the Bret Hart um, one, two, three kid match from Raw, like a 94 ish. Right. Um, and because, uh, uh, one, two, three kids, Sean Walton or X-Pac, he, he acknowledged that and thanked them. But uh, I think by keeping it as a wrestling match, it also allowed Punk not to get blown up and just worn out. You know, right. they had the spots where he could get some rest and this and that. But I did like the fact when Darby Allen went for the coffin dive and Punk was laying there and he just raised up. And then he just laughed. And it was kind of like, it was a sign that, hey, I'm a veteran here. I'm a star you know, I'm too smart for something like that. Kind of acknowledged that to Darby, and then he hit his move and uh, finisher and won. But I, I thought Darby Allen was great. I thought, you know, some of the moves that he does and the bumps that he takes, I mean, he is the dynamite kid of this generation. Um, I don't know how he gets health insurance. <laughs> so I think AEW is trying to work on that with their, their guys, providing them benefits and stuff, which is another reason more people want to go work with them where in WWE you have this demanding schedule and stuff, but you're an independent contractor, not an employee. So you don't get these benefits, but, um, right. But he did a bump where he went like, like sideways through the, in between the turnbuckles and hit the pole and then hit outside. I mean, it was just unbelievable Yeah, what he did there. And I like the fact that Sting honored his word on dynamite. He, Came out for the intro, went back. There was no involvement from Sting. I think there will be a time and place for Punk and Sting, but tonight was not the night for it. Yeah. So, well, let's talk a little bit about where we go with Punk and Darby Allen. Um, I like the direction that they took with Punk on Wednesday Night Dynamite, where it looks like he's going to go against Team Taz and start out with uh, powerhouse Will Hobbs. 
and eventually I think with um, uh, Ricky Starks. I really like that because I think Team Taz has not been pushed like they need to, along with Brian Cage. I think they're very talented, and this is just what Punk said he was going to do when he made his first interview. He said he came to AEW because he wanted to wrestle some of the young stars like Darby Allen and he mentioned Jungle Boy and, and others. And right. Ricky Starks, he mentioned, I think he mentioned Ricky Starks, I can't remember, but Starks and Hobbs need to be pushed more. Um, and this is a perfect way to do it. So I'm excited about that. I'm in 100% agreement with you. Team Taz needs that push. They need to show how good of a unit they are. Uh, and that what better way than the the new hot star, you know, I hope, you know, that they lead it in with a, a punk beat down and, and, you know, it goes for a few weeks and then they finally culminate with a couple of good matches. So I, I hope that that's how they do it. Uh, I know that punk uh, was successful in pissing Taz off yeah. by, by using his own line from ECW. So, uh, mm. which I, which I thought was genius. I loved it. Uh, I, I'm excited for that as well. I, I want to see Team Taz get pushed. I was always a huge Taz mark when he was in ECW. I didn't like what they did with him once he came to WWE. Of course, he, he came and made more money, obviously. But, yeah. uh, you know, he was a beast in ECW. Oh, and I just loved ECW wrestling back then. So I'm hoping his faction can, can uh, look good coming out of this. And then, of course, Punk can elevate himself and elevate the young talent so i i like the direction for sure i'm, I'm glad now i'm not sure what direction darby allen goes now i mean you can use him in so many different ways that any way that you use him is going to be successful so i, I don't know what they're going to do right now but uh i i think they can use him in any way yeah i know he had some battles with that daniel garcia and 2.0 so i don't know if they're going to continue the daniel garcia route but I would kind of like to see, I mean, we talked about maybe Matt Hardy's faction going against um, the inner circle because that way you've got a group of guys going against a group of guys, but maybe you throw a Matt Hardy versus a Darby Allen or somebody that, you know, they can take a, a pin, but yet they're still going to make Darby look good and kind of elevate him. So I would maybe consider that. As an option, um, you got to have somebody with Darby that's about his size. Right. Um, I mean, if Sammy Guevara was a heel, I would love to see Dar Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. I think they should make that match happen. Yeah. And um, another one down the road, I mean, I'd love to see Adam Cole versus Darby Allen. Oh, yeah. That one would work very well. So we'll see. I, I do think the thing with Punk and Team Taz, the reason why that's going to work is you have CM Punk and Taz involved and they are smart and they do a good job. And I think Tony Khan, unlike Vince McMahon, Tony Khan has said numerous times he's open to allowing the talent to do what they want. They, it's an open door policy to talk with him about things and he's very open to giving them freedom to do it. So I think with people like Punk and Taz, especially Punk, um, whatever Punk says he wants to do, Tony's going to say, okay, and just get out of the way. And I think that's what they need to do with Punk and Team Paz. I don't disagree wholly with that, but 
let's not get into a WCW situation where the, the talent is running the show. Cause that's exactly what happened with their, with their fall. WCW was allowing mm-hmm. the talent to run the show and it killed the show and it killed the company. So I think mm-hmm. you can do that to a point, but don't get crazy with it. I think he would do it with punk. I think he's going to be that way with Daniel Bryan. And I think he's going to be that way with Adam Cole. Unfortunately, to your point, I think Tony Khan, and if I was booking, I think he gives Jericho a little too much leeway. Jericho's done some silly things. Yeah. And I think he gives the Young Bucks too much um, leeway on that. Yeah. But I think with Tony, I mean, he's just a, he's a fan. He's a nice guy. I mean, Vince is a hard, harder nosed guy and stuff. And it's like, hey, you do it his way or the highway more often than not right kind of a thing so that's why people like ruby riot are loving coming there and adam cole i mean we'll get to adam cole a little bit more but but i do think with punk and team taz that can be done the right way based on who's involved yeah so all right so moving along we have paul white versus qt marshall i will say uh, i really didn't hear anything about this match going in um, but it was better than what I thought. Um, ultimately, Paul White goes over in this match. But I want to go back to an issue that we've talked about earlier, and it's the fact of people not getting pushed. Um, I think QT Marshall is a jobber. Um, I guess he's involved in the management there. I don't know about him personally or what he comes up with. But I, I think the factory uh, stinks. I don't care for it at all. And I do like that Nick Camarado, the guy that looks like the old school Billy Jack Haynes. He's big, he's strong, he's muscular. He's, you know, losing to people that he shouldn't be losing to. I mean, have him on dark, let him get some uh, wins over some jobbers, be a just a big bully and bruiser in there, and then set him up with some of these other stars that aren't getting pushed or – uh, matches like they need, like a Lance Archer and a Brian Cage. Agreed. Agreed. That guy, that guy has the look. They just need to push him. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a guy who's built like that being treated like a jobber, especially right. at, at this stage. I guess he's a relatively young guy. Now, you know, uh, Aaron Swallow, who for uh, Solo, um, I mean, he's not that big of a guy. I mean, he's kind of a jobber. I can kind of see that. Um, but QT Marshall, this was just a placement match, and it is what it is. I mean, I'm glad Paul White got a win. I I don't know how much more I want to see him in the ring, though, because it's like you don't want – Paul White has had such a great career. Right. And it's like you've got to have him in a match, either a squash match like this or with a big guy. Well, if you're up with a big guy, you know, if you put him with this uh, Nick Camarado guy and bury him, then that's just killing this guy. He's never going to get up the ladder. You can't put him against a Brian Cage or a Lance Archer because those guys need to be up the ladder and pushed more too. So it's kind of interesting how you would book Paul White going forward. But I will say this, his commentary on Dynamite, he is great. He's pretty funny. Yes, I like him on commentary for sure. And to be honest, I thought that was all they were going to do with him. Yeah. Uh, Besides maybe every now and then interfere or something weird like that in a storyline. But uh, the fact that he had a match kind of shocked me because I didn't think that was going to be his role, you know, him or uh, the world's strongest man, either one. I, I just thought they were over there for 
you know, to be office heads and commentators and, and things like that. Uh, I, I'm shocked that Paul White was actually in the match. Yeah. I guess this was just a filler match where um, they were supposed to have Andrade versus Pac in this, on this card and um, Pac had travel issues. So they had to have, I guess, another filler match. So maybe this was it. I don't know. But yeah. anyway, I mean, the, the right outcome uh, came in this match with Paul White going over quick and it allowed the, the crowd to kind of get their breath from the Punk versus Darby Allen match. Sure. Before we go into the championship of Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage um, in a battle for the AEW World Championship coming on the heels of Christian Cage beating Kenny Omega on the first episode of Rampage to become the uh, Impact and TNA champion. So before we get into this match, what was your take on Christian Cage winning that first match against Omega on Rampage and taking one of his titles? I think it was a good booking decision uh, to show that Omega was vulnerable and it built up Cage a little bit. You know, Cage is no stranger to the TNA Impact Championship. He uh, left WWE, well, I can't remember. It was around 08, 09, maybe, maybe a few. I may be a few years off on that, but uh, he went over there and had a, you know, for lack of a better term, a, a good impact uh, on TNA. Uh, back then, it was more TNA, called TNA. Now it's, uh, then it was TNA Impact. Now I think they're just calling it Impact, but. Uh, and that's the one thing I like about Christian is anytime he left WWE and went to a different place, he really showed up and was almost like a different wrestler. I mean, they, they really pushed him and, uh, you know, I liked him better in TNA than I did in WWE by far. I thought he was a good mm -hmm. character and, you know, uh, he had a different name. He was called Christian cage, which that's what he's going by now. And, uh, I just, I, I like it. And I think it's a good push. And it builds up the drama between him and Omega a little bit more. I agree. Um, I liked it because they needed to have a, a big impact for their opening on Rampage. And, that, and so I, I liked that. I, I thought it was a good match. And since they had a match before where Omega beat Christian Cage, I felt like they needed, just like you said, to make Christian Cage – win that match because it creates excitement for this rematch. Because if Christian Cage had lost that rematch on um, Rampage, I wouldn't have really cared that much about this match. So, yeah. so I thought it was good. I, I will say I, I did listen to the Jim Cornette podcast regularly, and I, I respect his views on stuff. He hated the fact that Christian Cage won on the opening of Dynamite because he was like, all right, you, you caused your world champion to get beat on a free TV. So that was a bad thing, but I, I think, I think it was pretty good coming in. So anyway, um, I thought this match was really good. Um, I thought the wrestling was outstanding in this. Um, I think there are a lot of people that don't like Kenny Omega, Jim Cornette at the top of the list of that, but I'm just trying to be as objective as I can be here. I think Kenny Omega is really good, and I really like him as this evil. And I like him with Don Callis. I think Don Callis is excellent. 
What's, what's yeah. your take on King Omega? Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I've been an Omega guy since the whole Tokyo Dome match with Jericho and and all that. And when they started AEW, and they he was one of the main names bringing over. I, you know, I, I've been a fan ever since. And I, I think they pushed him in the right way at the right time. I think he's the right uh, guy to be wearing the belts for right now. Uh, plus, what I like is he does go over to Japan and they, he does go over to uh, impact and, and all that. And he's still, you know, he's spreading his talent around, which I think is good overall for AEW and the other wrestling organizations. So, uh, I, I think it's good. I, I like it. I think he's in the right place at the right time. Christian taking two of the four belts from him, I think is good. It builds up the drama. I, I, I think they're, they're doing a good storyline here. Well, this was a physical match too. I mean, when Christian cage came off for a, Spear, he landed through the table, and that table got up and, and caught him on the side and cut him, so he was bleeding from the side. So it was definitely a hard-hitting physical match, but um, but Kenny Omega goes over. Um, he hits the one-winged angel uh, off the top, so Christian gets beat clean, but after a heck of a move. So I, I thought it really didn't hurt Christian. Uh, I think you obviously have to keep the title on Omega based on what happened afterwards where – they uh, unveiled Adam Cole, and I loved Adam Cole coming out. I'm a huge fan. I'm, I'm so excited that he did not resign with WWE, and he's over in AEW for a couple of reasons. Number one, Adam Cole is a smaller guy, and he has more great potential matchups here in AEW. Um, two, I think in WWE, there's so many bigger guys. I heard that they were wanting to make him like Keith Lee's manager. I'm like, he's too talented for that. Right. And number three, obviously they've seen what WWE has done to like carry and cross and some of the Keith Lee, some of the NXT powerhouses who've come up and Adam Cole doesn't need to settle for that. So I was excited. I, I was sad when he went heel and he super kicked jungle boy and joined with the elite. But in a way, I mean, he's a better heel than a face, but then Brian Danielson comes out. To a huge, huge ovation. He comes out, starts attacking the elite. I mean, he really laid in the kicks to Nick Jackson, which as a Young Bucks uh, hater, I, I personally enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> so the ending with adding Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan was absolutely amazing. Um, I, I don't think this pay-per-view could have been any better with that ending. And overall, I thought the pay-per-view was just amazing. And I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to the battles with um, Omega and Brian. You know they're going to set that up uh, at some point. Uh, they have to. And I, I think Kenny Omega will eventually lose to Daniel Bryan. But, I mean, I just think AEW is red hot right now. This pay-per-view is definitely an A. What's your take? Yeah, I agree. I think overall the pay-per-view was great. It was entertaining. Uh, I think the following Dynamite was great. Uh, I thought they did a very good job. Uh, bringing Brian Danielson in again is is a a, a big time score for AEW, and it's a score for Brian Danielson because he'll get to do what he wants and how he wants, and at the same time he'll elevate the company and he'll elevate the younger talent. Again, you know, as I alluded to earlier, Brian Danielson's one of those old Ring of Honor guys and independent guys that they're bringing over. You know, WWE cherry picked them from there to elevate their show. Now AEW's cherry picking them to 
do the same thing, but it's also a win for, for the guys and the company because now they're going to get to do it how they want to do it. Right. So, well, go, go uh, one other thing, I, one other point I was going to make, we were questioning what to do with Darby Allen. Hey, let him go with Brian Danielson. That'd be a good matchup. Yeah. I think down the road they'll get there. Um, Cause I think Darby will go heel at some point. They'll turn on steam. Yeah. Um, but I think right now their, their money is – I mean, Daniel or Brian Danielson is red hot right now, and that Omega versus Danielson, that's, that's got to be their main event for their all-out pay-per-view in November. Um, it looks like Jungle Boy is going to eventually get into a feud with um, uh, Adam Cole. But I am looking forward to this Wednesday night's Adam Cole match versus Frankie Kazarian. We have not mentioned Frankie Kazarian, um, but as we wrap up and kind of – hit on a couple of upcoming new additions uh, as well, because I want to talk about Malachi Black before we sign off. Um, I love the idea of Adam Cole with Frankie Kazarian in the first match, because Frankie Kazarian is a flat stud in the ring. I know he's an older guy, but it's going to be a really good match. And Cole's going to go over. And the other thing I'm looking forward to is to see how Malachi Black is going to get booked in his match with Cody Rhodes coming up because he Malachi has been booked strong. He put um, Cody down with uh, and, and really a, a squash match, and Cody thought he was going to retire and stuff. But he's he took down Dustin in a pretty good match on Dynamite. As a fan, I don't want to see Cody Rhodes beat Malachi Black. I want them to keep him strong because they need another good heel. What's your take on on Adam Cole's initial booking and Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black? I am in 100% agreement that they don't need to let Cody come in and steamroll Malachi Black. They need to continue pushing him. Uh, I was glad to see Malachi get tested uh, Wednesday night. Uh, I think that match was actually pretty good. And I, I like his look and I like his ring gear. Uh, I think it's pretty unique. And, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of the old demolition or road warriors or, you know, the old days or maybe a Papa Shango or something like that, which, you know, I always like their look coming to the ring. And, uh, I think, I think that's a good look for him. And, uh, again, yeah, Malachi Black's a great heel. They need to continue with his push. Cody Rhodes. I love everything he's done with AEW and what he's done for AEW. But he's kind of been in the, on the back burner. I know he and his wife have had a kid and, you know, all that. So they've, they've kind of been out of the limelight a little bit. I don't think it would be good for him to come in and steamroll uh, Malachi Black. I think it would kill the story and it would kill his uh, momentum. So on the flip side of that, I don't think it would be good for Cody because Cody's a good face and everybody loves him and all that, I don't think it would be good for Malachi to just steamroll him either. So I think there needs to be some controversy or something there, but I feel like Malachi should go over. Yeah, I, Adam, I agree. Adam Cole, they, I mean, they can do a million things with that guy. So I, I think any way they go could be good. I just wish he would um, impress on the remaining members of the elite, specifically the Bucks, to dress better. I mean, Adam Cole <laughs> looks like a star. He looks Agreed. like a cool guy. Right. Well, Omega can do that, but just dress the Bucks up a little bit and 
make them cooler on screen and right. and I'll be happy because they do deliver in the ring except for some of these long, long, long dynamite matches. But it's it's cool that they reunited them all though, because all those guys were were boys or yeah. buddies, buddies in Ring of Honor and, and other independent scenes. You know, they were all part of that club. Uh, was the Bullet Club or whatever, and yeah, you know they they all those guys are buddies, man, and it, it's cool that they're uniting them and letting them work together for a while. Well, and that's why I said um, on the Adam Cole entrance and stuff, I borrowed the phrase from Jim Cornette or the quote that it's not the way I would have done it; it was better because you know they're keeping the the group together, and it it kind of makes a lot of sense. And Adam Cole is he's a really good heel, so. To get well, Corny to admit that somebody did something better than him is, it must be great, right? Yeah. <laughs> it must be fantastic for him to he, admit that. He tries to be fair. Well, I will say this. Um, I think this with AEW, you know, a lot of fans right now are either they're hating WWE and they're all AEW or their WWE fans are hating AEW. I think as a wrestling fan, we should just be proud that we're at a level of excitement now. I mean, this is a much level, a greater level of excitement than when AEW first started and it was high, but it's starting to get more like it, what it was in the nineties. I mean, I will say I went back and looked at the old TV ratings in the nineties and even the worst ratings that WCW Nitro was getting toward the end was still higher than what raw is getting today. Right. I mean, the ratings that, uh, Raw and Nitro were getting in the 94, well, especially 95, but 94 to like 2000. It was unbelievable. They were like sevens and sixes and stuff. We're getting like twos now. So that's just how amazing that time was. But it's an exciting time for wrestling. I'm happy for the talent that people who are not able to get booked like they should in WWE have a chance to go to AEW and have opportunities. I just hope that AEW can do a better job of just not not letting people slip through the cracks like they have, like I mentioned with Brian Cage or uh, FTR and some of these guys. You know, I want to see them more. And it might be they have to add a Saturday show. Yeah. But, uh, but our time, we got, we got secured away with AEW. We're not even going to have time to talk WWE. But I will say <laughs> that Raw and SmackDown were better than after this pay-per-view which goes to a point that you've made many times competition is good and it makes the other side raise the level of performance. That's exactly right. So we can come back and talk about WWE after their upcoming pay-per-view of extreme rules and see what happens there. Uh, a lot going on in the world of wrestling, but today we're just going to have to settle with AEW and uh, cause it's on fire right now. Yeah. Before we get off, I'll give a quick shout out to uh, I, I, Brock Lesnar. I like the comeback. Uh, I'm not a fan of the ponytail, but I like his look other than that. I think they're going to use him in the proper capacity now. Uh, I, I think it was a good uh, callback. I don't want WWE to look desperate to try to get ratings over AEW because they're so hot right now. Is that why they're doing it? I don't know. But I do like Brock Lesnar's look. I think it's uh, – you know, they're using him in the right capacity. And I'm going to give a shout out to, she don't need a shout out, but I'm going to give it to her, Charlotte Flair, her new look. Uh, she's in much better shape. You know, she's changed her look a little bit. Uh, she's on fire again. 
uh, you know, shout out to her, props to her. Her fiance and her father have both left WWE and she's still carrying the torch over there. You know, that that's probably got to be a little bit tough. So, hey, shout out to her. She's she's rocking it. Yeah, and on the flip side, I'm hoping that Goldberg does not come back. Um, right. Because I, one of the things of the, after this pay-per-view, Goldberg wasn't referenced on Raw. Now, I think in that match in SummerSlam, I think he legitimately hurt his knee. I agree. And I think he legitimately got hurt, and um, they kind of had to sell it. But now you've got Bobby Lashley versus um, Randy Orton, which I like better. And I will give some props to Riddle. I did not think he would get over like this, but he has. Yes. But so I'd much rather see that matchup than another Goldberg match with, um, with Bobby Lashley. And I'm hoping that they can some way – make Bianca Belair look good because Becky Lynch came, coming back the way she did in squashing her was absolutely terrible. And I think that's almost universally agreed. I, I, just, yeah, I, I think that we, is awful. Yeah, we touched on that earlier, and I'm glad you brought it back up because it needs to be said again. That was a mistake. Becky Lynch is good, blah, blah, blah. But by, Bianca Belair is twice the athlete Becky Lynch is, and it should not have – okay, let's put Becky over, but it should not have been a squash by any means. Yeah, I could I could have lived with Becky winning the title in a good solid match, but not a yeah. squash. Yeah. So well, we will see what happens with WWE um, on our next discussion. But for today, we had to give props to AEW for a great All Out 2021 and the the great direction they're heading right now. And hopefully, they don't mess it up. Right. It's, it's 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 been really good the past. Uh, several months or several weeks with Punk coming back, and they've just got a lot of momentum right now. So, guys, just don't mess it up. They so, Scott, the, what, the way I liken it is they have the chess pieces. Now they just got to play the correct game with those pieces. Yeah. Maybe one day we can get an AEW card in Murray, Kentucky. That would be awesome. Yeah. Well, Scott, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate uh, your time and your insight, and uh, we'll, uh, Get together again to discuss some WWE in a few weeks. Absolutely. Thanks again, Ben. And all our listeners, thanks so much for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed our, our commentary on uh, All Elite Wrestling. And uh, make sure to check out All Elite Wrestling Wednesday nights on uh, for Dynamite on TNT and then Friday night on uh, for Rampage. And Dynamite is Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And Rampage is at 10 p.m. Eastern, all on TNT. So, Hope y'all have a great week and thanks for listening. All right. All right.